If you want an 8 by 10 glossy of him, it'll cost you $100. And we want to, again, welcome everybody. Uh, I know we're going to have a great message, and I look forward to what Brother Jenkins has to say. And, and just, once again, we are blessed to have him in our service. And uh, I'll receive you for so true and, and you know we don't have to worry about our, our daily lives or anything because Jesus is there with us and I'd like to shut up now and open this with a word of prayer it's gracious Heavenly Father we thank you Lord for this wonderful day you've given us thank you for allowing us to come into your house to worship you and, and learn more about you Lord, we want to lift Brother Dennis up this morning and just uh, ask you a blessings on him and, and bless the word that, that you've given him that he's going to bring us, Lord, and let, let Brother Dennis sit down and you stand up in this service. Lord, I want to ask you to, to send your Holy Spirit to worship with us this morning and just bless each one here, bless each one on Facebook. And I ask you these things in your precious name. Amen. This shoebox is so extremely with individual love. And each item pack, an expression of that love. From there, it finds its way to a drop-off location with thousands of these things located all over the world. Then transfer the shoebox to a processing center, where they will be inspected and prayed for by volunteers. Then they're loaded onto containers, heading overseas, covering thousands of miles. At points, the shoebox gifts resume the journey on ground, some by road and some by trail, concluding their journey at a local church. Each shoebox gift is given to a child in need. Love has traveled many miles to bless that 
one chapter of each Shabbat gift is an opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus with the child. The child is then invited to attend a follow-up discipleship program where they will grow in their faith. After graduating from the Greatest Journey Discipleship Program, children will be equipped to share the truth and love of the gospel to family and friends, multiplying the body of Christ all over the world.
Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, and I will come in to him and dine with him, and he with me. Now, we have been taught all of our life that that when we, we see that picture of Jesus standing at the door with no handle on the door, is that because he's standing there waiting for an unbeliever. If we use that text in that sense, then we're taking that text of Scripture out of text. Because this passage of Scripture deals with the church in Laodicea. The church, not an individual. Because this church has become lukewarm. This church has pushed Christ out the door. And Christ is waiting on the other side of the door for the church to invite him back in. And we're going to learn about Laodicea. And we're going to learn about Ephesus this morning. Again, are you hot? Are you cold? Or are you lukewarm? Turn with me, please, to Revelation chapter 3. And then we're going to Revelation chapter 2. Chapter 3, verses 14 through 20. And the Scripture goes like this, And to the angel of the church of Laodicea write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. And you know that we can either wash clothes in hot or cold, and you can put cold water to make iced tea and hot water to make hot tea, but nobody likes to drink lukewarm tea. Hello? I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Not 
made me so, not perhaps. He says, I will. And because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and you're naked, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see as many as I love I rebuke and chasten therefore be zealous and repent Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to, to him, dine with him, and he with me. Listen, the church at Laodicea was one of two churches in the opening chapters of Revelation that were apparently unaware of their spiritual temperature. The other church was Ephesus. And that's found in the previous chapter, in chapter 2, in verses 1 through 5. It says, To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things said he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labors, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars, and you have preserved and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, he says, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent again, he says, and do the first work or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Somebody say amen. You know, we live in a day and time where we find that, you know, well, that's, you know, that's just words in, the, in, in a book. No, these are God's words and they stand forever. Somebody say amen. There's going to be a lot of rude awakenings when we stand before God. There's going to be be people that we were were sure enough were going to be there. There's going to be people that we think were never going to make it, but but did. And then there's going to be us. Are we hot? Are we cold? Or are we lukewarm? Now, Laodicea is a picture of a worldly church that has all of the ornaments of religion, but whose heart is clearly filled with the core of this world. Now, you can look around you, people, and you can go to churches, and you can see a lot of these churches that have conformed to the world. And it says over in Romans 12, and it's not up there, okay, Dad, I'm just... Romans 12, verse 2, it says, Be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. When your mind is renewed, you're not going to conform your ways to the world. This church was were mediocre Christians slumbering in their materialistic spiritual numbness. 
they could use it. They could not tell you could not tell them apart from anyone or anything else that was in the world. They, they look like the world. They act like the world. When I, when I was a teacher, one of the first things that I said at the beginning of each each year when I would see some of these people, uh, kids walk in, especially guys walk in that look like gang members, and they, and they go up and down, but they, they weren't gang members. So I would tell them, I said, if you talk like a pig, you walk like a pig, you dress like a pig, people are going to think you're a what? Amen. If you walk like the world, you act like the world, you talk like the world, you dress like the world, you're not of God. Hello? I'm sorry. That's what the Word says. Now, you, you couldn't tell these people apart. Well, occasional, uh, their occasional church activities. Now, Ephesus, on the other hand, was a church that was correct in its doctrine, that was correct in being tenacious and defending the truth, that was, that was correct in being devoted to evangelism. They didn't look like a great church. Most of us would look at Ephesus and call this a healthy and a very vibrant church. However, it was a church like a lot of us that had lost its fire. They were doing all the right things, but without realizing that they were just going through the motions and doing those things just because that's what churches do. Most of these churches were unaware of their spiritual state that they were in. And I'm going to ask you, what about you this morning? Have you taken your spiritual temperature lately? And are you hot, on fire for God? Are you cold? Have you lost your fire? Are you lukewarm? And you know what God is about to do to you. I took 2 Corinthians 13.5 out of the Amplified Version. Yeah, it says, I don't have the Amplified Version up here. But I want you to hear me as I read. He said, examine and test and evaluate your own selves to see whether you are holding to your faith and showing the proper fruits of it. Test and prove yourself, not Christ, do you not yourself realize and know thoroughly by an ever-increasing experience that Christ Jesus is in you unless you are counterfeit, disproved on trial and rejected? He says, examine yourself. And I wanted to take a few minutes this morning to examine ourselves and see what our spiritual temperature actually is. This morning I want us to examine our hands. I want us to examine our feet and our eyes and our ears, our mouth and our heart. I know that sounds like a lot of things. Now, I promise you I'll let you out of here at 2 o'clock. And uh, don't get the frown off your face. Our first examination, let's examine our hands. Look over in Psalms 24, verses 3 and 4. He says, Who may ascend into the hills of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and he who has a clean heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully. I'm going to ask you, what are your hands doing this morning? 
reaching for eternal treasures or are they just grabbing for tasteless gadgets in this world in which you live? Psalm 26, verse 6 says these, it says, I will wash my hands in innocence and go about your altar, O Lord. And, and that's what we need to say. And if you need help today, then I ask you this morning, then lift up your hands to the Lord in supplication and in expectation. And when, listen, and when you do that, you will be lifting your hands in jubilation and lifting your hands in celebration to God. Somebody say amen. Unfortunately, many churchgoers, I'm going to say Christian, many churchgoers fail to keep their hands clean. Their evil hands sometimes do dirty words that hurt those around them. However, listen to me, when that does happen, you as individuals can trust God and God will take care of those evil hands that attack you. All you have to do is just make sure that your hands stay clean. And CB, I, I am really trying to keep my sight over on this side. And he told me last week, he said, why do you always look to the right? I said, because that's what my wife said. <laughs> but we look to God. And we lift our hands to Him, and we let Him, and we let His hands work for us. Amen? We let God's hands work for us. Not only should your hands be clean, but also your hands should be doing God's work. And I'm going to ask you, are they being used to be a blessing to others, or they just being idle hands? Oh, Chauncey. Of Melody in 1836 wrote these words, and if you wonder where they came from, they came back from 1836. Idle hands are the devil's tools. And he also adds, idleness. Idleness is the root of mischief. Whoa. In Psalm 28, verse 4, we have these words that says, Give them according to their deeds. Going back to what Chauncey says, give them according to their deeds and according to the, the wickedness of their evildoers, of their endeavors, of their endeavors. Give them according to the work of their hands. Render to them what they deserve. Idleness brings problems because you try to find things to do, and most of the time, the things we try to do. God. Somebody say amen or me. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 10 says, Whatever your hands find to do, do it with your might. Because then he says, For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you're going. So when you do something for God, do it do it with all your might. Do it into the Lord. Because once you, once you leave here, you're not going to be able to do it anymore. So do it greatly. Do it for God. In Proverbs 3.27 says, Do not withhold. Listen to me. Everybody look at me. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in the power of your hand to do so. Somebody say amen. We don't do that. 
somebody in need, sometimes we just look the other way. Or we say, I can't afford that. My Bible tells us if you, if you help the poor, you're lending to God. You don't lose out on anything. That's not on there either. Deuteronomy 15, verses 7 and 8, says these words. If there is among you a poor man of your, of your brethren within, with, within any of the gates in your land which the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother. Now, I want to ask you this. Is God's Word true? If I answer me, is God's Word true? Does it lie? That's true. But you shall open your hand wide to him. How? Wide to him. And willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. That's the Old Testament. Now, hey, wait a minute. The Bible is the Bible is the Bible. Old and new. It's still the Word of God. It's still God's Word, and we still have to follow God's Word. If you call yourself a child of God, then you have become the seed of Abraham, and you have become an heir and a joint heir to the kingdom of God. That means you, and that means me. Hello? Somebody say Amen. Our second examination, examine our feet. Now, I found a quote of an author to it. He says, where are your feet going? Are they headed for heaven's shores? Or are they stuck in earth's muck? Hmm. Proverbs 4.26, it says, Ponder the path of your feet and let all of your ways, all of your ways be established. Talking to every one of us, y'all. And, and then, I remember in the movie Forrest Gump, he spoke a line. He says, "You can tell a lot by the by the person by, by their shoes that they wear." He said, "The direction of your feet will determine the direction of your heart." I said, "The direction of your feet will determine the direction of your heart." And I said, "Where, where are your feet taking?" Jesus knew. Before we came to Christ, the Bible says in Ephesians 2 2, he said, In which you once walked according to the course of this world. Every one of us. Okay, he's talking about me. Yeah. Every one of us, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. When we, before we came, uh, came to Christ, that's who we were. And after we came to Christ, we are supposed to walk in a different path. It says over in 1 John uh, 1, verses 6 and 7, if we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, if He is in, if, but if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Amen? Amen. Listen, I want you to hear me what I'm saying. It is just a shortened step from walking with the world to living like the world. 
I said it's just a short step in walking with the world to living like the world. And I want you all to remember that. Then in Proverbs 119, back this up in verses 101, he says, I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. Listen, you can't walk with the world and walk with God at the same time. It doesn't work. Proverbs 6.18 says, A heart that devises wicked plans and feet that are swift into running evil. And that, that was seven things that, that God gave in, in, in the Proverbs, in Proverbs 6. Those were two of them. A heart that devises wicked plans and feet that are swift in running to evil. Psalms 1-1, and I love this psalm. It says, Blessed, 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 happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. That, that, that right there tells you exactly how we should walk. And I want you to understand that these things that we're examining this morning are things that we should keep in line with God. And, and especially the next two things that we're examining, these are the only two ways in your lives that you can feed the spirit man that was at the beginning. There's an old Indian proverb about a young man that came to his grandfather. He said, it seems like a war that goes on within me. And the grandfather said, and the grandfather said there is. There's, there's two wolves that live in you. He said, there's a good wolf and there's a bad wolf. He said, which one wins? He said, the one you feed. The spirit man within you, who wins? The one you feed. That's who wins. So we're going to examine the eye gate and we're going to examine the ear gate. Now, I call them gates because you're the only one. You are the only one that has access to a flag. You're the only one that can open the ears and you're the only one that can open the eyes to, to what you see and what you hear. So, our third examination is going to examine our eyes. And I'm going to ask you, what are you giving your eyes to this morning? And what are, what are you feeding on? And what, what, are, what is your spiritual diet? And whatever, listen, whatever we watch, whatever we read, is what we are feeding on. Whatever you watch, with the television shows you watch, and whatever you read, what type of books you read, that's what you're feeding your spiritual man with. Based on what you're feeding on is what you will become. Whatever you're feeding on is what you become. And understand this. That what you keep before your eyes will affect you. Everything that you keep before your eyes is going to affect you. Everything. What we see, what we hear, what we allow to enter our lives is going to influence our heart and what we do. And what is in our heart is what influences our behavior. What we do is a result of, of what we have allowed into our lives. Because what we do is a result of what we have allowed into our lives. Things that we watch, things that we read, things that we listen to, they affect how we act. They affect how we react. They affect how we, we, we're, we're able to combat Satan. They, what, we, what we read and how we feel our spirit man is when Satan attacks us, either we have the things of the world to attack him back with, or we have the we have the Word of God to attack Satan. I'd rather have the Word. I'd rather have the Word. Psalms 
But are, are we listening? Are we listening to the voice of the world? Or are, are, are we listening to the voice of God? I choose God, y'all. I said I choose God. The world certainly doesn't listen to the voice of God. In Jeremiah 44, 5, it says, But they did not listen or incline their ear to turn from their wickedness, to burn no incense to other gods. Jeremiah 44, 16, right down the, 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 the chapter there. He says, As for the word that you have spoken to us in the name of the Lord, we will not listen to you. They wouldn't, they wouldn't going to listen to Jeremiah. They wouldn't listen to anything he had to say. And because they didn't listen, destruction was brought upon them. And if we don't listen, destruction is going to be brought upon us. Hello? Second Timothy 4, verse 3 says, For, <laughs> boy, this is not true today. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Oh, me, y'all. But according, I want you to listen to this. And I know this is not Robinson Avenue. I understand that this is not Robinson Avenue. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap upon, they will heap up for themselves teachers. In other words, they only want preachers, or they only want teachers that will scratch their ears and give them nothing but feel-good messages. I'm sorry if you're here to you're here to hear a feel-good message to me. You're in the wrong place. Because I will stomp as hard as I can on your toes and just make sure that your life lines up with what God wants you to do, and all the all the blessings and all the things that God has for you. And the only way that you can have that is by walking in. guarantee you there's some things that we watch and some things that we listen to that does not please God. They don't. And you're being disobedient when you listen to them. You're being disobedient when you watch them. Hello? Proverbs 8.34 says, Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gate, waiting at the post of my door. John 10.27 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. They don't follow the world. Proverbs 23.12 says, Apply your heart to instruction and your ears to the, to the words of knowledge. And the only words of knowledge you'll ever receive, people, listen to me, it's from God's Word. Examination mouth. I think one of the most straightforward statements Jesus ever made. 
was directed to the Pharisees, the religious groups of that time. And found in Mark 7, 7, verses 17 to 24, and I'll read, he says, When he had entered a house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. So he said to them, Are you thus without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from outside cannot defile him because he does not enter his heart, but his stomach is eliminated, thus purifying all food? And he said, What comes out of a man that defiles a man? For from within, out of the heart of men, proceeds evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceitful rudeness, and evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. From there he arose and went to a region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house. And one of those one to know it, but he could not hide. Listen to me. Your spirit man is filled with things that, that you allow your eyes and ears to build. If you're not building on the foundation of God and, uh, and only on the foundation of the world, you're going to fall. Remember, I just said the short step and only the short step. You're going to fall. But you said, understand. Ecclesiastes 5 says, say before the messenger of God that it was an error. Why should God be angry at your excuses and for the words of your hand? Because we allow our mouth to transgress the truth. Go Job 27 verse 4 says, My lips, my lips will not speak wickedness. My lips will not speak wickedness nor my tongue Ephesians 4, verses 29 and 30 says, Let no corrupt words proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Listen, did you know that it's been said that the average person spends one fifth of his or her life talking? I know some people that do more than that. <laughs> they would, everybody's going to be looking at me when you say that. I'm going to talk to my face. At least that's what the scripture says. If all of our words were put into print, the result, the result would be something like this. A single day's word will fill, fill a 50-page book. In a year's time, the average person's word will fill 132 books of 200 pages of Isaiah 50, verse 4, says, The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in a 
season to Him who is weary. He, he awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ears to hear and to learn. Psalms 19.14 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in Your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Oh, what a beautiful verse of Scripture. Psalm 71, verse 8 says, Let my mouth, let my mouth be filled with Your praise and with Your glory all the day. Our last examination this morning is to let's examine our hearts. Jeremiah says in 17.9 that the heart is deceitful above all things and it is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Psalm 66.18 And I I try to tell people this. If I regard iniquity in my heart, or sin in my heart. If I regard, if I regard, if I know that there's sin in my heart, God says, "I'll not hear you. I'm not listening to you." When Sir Walter Raleigh was laid, led to the executioner's block, his executioner asked him, <laughs> and he said, does your, "Does your head lay right?" <laughs> Raleigh answered, "Well, it matters little." My friend, if how my head lays, he says, I just want to make sure that my heart is right. In 1876, a pastoral paper from St. Paul Church in Oxford, England, these words were written. He says, Here in the presence of God, here before Him through whom are revealed the secrets of all hearts, here before the cross of mercy and, and of love, what does my heart speak? And how does my heart lie? In Psalms 40, verse 8, it says, I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. Dr. Kent Crockett, when he was a professor at the seminary after he finished his course of study, when he first enrolled in seminary, he said he found an apartment room that was next to a railroad crossing. He wondered, wondered why the apartment was so cheap and found out the first night. The train came through in the middle of the night just blasting his horn, and it didn't just wake him up. It almost gave him a heart attack. Every night when the train came through, it was, the horn was blowing. At first, he said, I thought about changing the apartment, but he said, then I started getting used to the nightly awakening. And I would wake up for a few minutes and then go right back to sleep. He said, eventually, I got to where the horn didn't even wake me up. And I hardened my heart to the train and couldn't hear it anymore. You know, the same type of hardening process occurs when God speaks to our heart. And we don't respond. Eventually, we stop hearing his voice because my heart has become hard. We were visiting with the lady that was using anxious steps for our puppies, and uh, we went to her house there in Lancaster, and right there at the corner from there, about three houses down, was, was the air raid or tornado sign. Thing. There, was, there was the six big horns. Right at 12 o'clock, and they went off and on. 
don't bother you? I said, what? I said, what? I said, that noise. I guess I've gotten used to it. designates a certain day standing in David today. After such a long time, as it has been said, the day which you will hear his voice. Says, do not harden your heart. And I'm going to ask you, what, what, what are the desires of your heart? Romans 21 says, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to, to, to God for Israel is that they may be I know that I, that I have. 
I let Facebook. But I realized what Satan was doing, and it was affecting my witness. And if anything, listen to me, if anything affects your witness, then you need to get it out of your life. Get it out. What are you reading? What are you watching? What are you listening to? Where's your eyes and your ears? Where's your mouth? Where's your feet? Where's your, what are your hands? What, are they working for God? Are they working for the world? You have to make the choice. Remember I told you, only you have the latch to your gate to your ears. Only you have the latch to the gate to your eyes. Only you. You make a choice. Follow God. I follow the world. If you follow the world, you lose. I say if you follow the world, you lose. Say, Brother Rose, I want to follow God. Won't you with me? I want to follow God. Raise your hand. Come on. Don't be dead. your head. Pray aloud with me. Say, Father, I thank you. I know I'm guilty of becoming cruel to you. Father, I don't want that. I want to be on fire for you continually. Father, I pray and I ask in the name of Jesus, set me on fire. Bring me back to my first love. In Jesus' name. In the church prayer. Right, every head is continue bowed and every eye closed. Sing it, sing it something good, Father. Sing something good.
feels played, I'm telling you. All these, all these things that we need to correct are not. They would, they would eat you up. to the end of what I've 